0: This is Sean Six from the Liquid Conversations, and I am here with metalhead funny man, Don Jamison. How are you doing, man?
1: Doing all right. Doing all right. Hanging here in Jersey and, uh, yeah, talking to people about the record. Yes, that's
0: right. You have a new record out. You know, it's kind of interesting for me because I'm of the age range that I remember when comics put out comedy records. Granted they were vinyl at that point, but mm-hmm. they were comedy records. You're still keeping that dream alive, aren't you? you? I mean, this is your fourth comedy record?
1: Yeah, my fourth live stand-up CD. And uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I don't know if anybody cares, but I'm <laughs> I'm keeping it alive for myself because I'm <laughs> like you, you know, I still have my my George Carlin vinyl and my Cheech and Chong vinyl, my right. uh, Richard Pryor vinyl. So, um, And my new album, Denim and Laughter, I'm um, now we know like 80% of the sales are going to be streaming or downloads. Right. Um, but I am going to do this one on vinyl too. So probably later on, like in the spring, early summer, I'm going to put a, re-release it on vinyl, which I can't wait. I don't care if they, I sell one copy. As long as I have my album on vinyl, that's all I care about.
0: You, you're going to have it framed and it's going to be on your living room wall and you're going to be like this, is it right here
1: yeah i just need to find a vinyl plant that'll just print one copy (laughs) (laughs) that way i don't have 299 more you know sitting in my living room
0: yeah you got boxes of this stuff sitting around going huh i don't know man was it worth it or
1: not (laughs) seemed like a good idea
0: (laughs) so when you do something like this and we have to you know give credit where credit's due um this is also going to be on metal blade records and they've been exceptionally good with you brian and you have had a long-standing relationship and this is something really like you were kind of alluding to there a little bit doing this sort of thing having uh, a comedy record and having it be on a a label like metal blade you're really just living your childhood dream aren't you
1: Uh, uh, you know honestly I am Um, you know I'm definitely you know Metal Blade Records uh, favorite tax write-off of all their artists (laughs) 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 they always take a loss on me every time but um, you know they keep coming back to it and you know we become Brian and I have become good friends over the years and yeah I mean you know he understands the value of comedy and obviously there's a you know my branding is you know revolves around hard rock and metal now you know, if you're listening to you know Raw Dog on Sirius or, uh, or what, you know wherever they play comedy these days, right. Pandora, and one of my bits comes on, it, you might not necessarily unless it's a bit about rock music. You might oh, you know, this is just a regular comedian, you know, because I don't want I don't want to scare people off to think oh I gotta like hard rock and metal. But right. the way I I brand my albums and and obviously my association with Metal Blade that's you know shaped my musical taste over the years. I just that's just an extra bonus that I've parodied saxon and judas priest and you know thin Lizzy, um but you know i like that connection and for the people who get it that's cool and if they don't you know i hope you know they should still like comedy with a rock and roll attitude
0: you know and it's kind of interesting because like we were talking about about keeping this dream alive and looking at comics of yesteryear that put out albums comedy stand-up albums you're also keeping the dream alive for rock and metal. You know, you're paying homage like, you know, the cover of this this new album, you know, Denim and Laughter is a thumbs up, a uh, head nod to Saxon, uh, your buddy Biff. And you're not necessarily you know it's kind of interesting that you talk about how maybe you don't want to scare people away from it because you think that you know they might have to be you know hard rock and metal fans but you're also informing people that might be of a younger demo of these bands that shaped your life and shaped your career and did so for a lot of other people like myself you're reminding them that there was really cool bands from 40 years ago
1: right and the end just the album packaging as well you know just that you know that um you know we used to sit there and we used to when we got the vinyl and then later even with cds it was just you know just wasn't as cool but you know to look at the artwork and to read the credits and you know examine the packaging while you're listening to the record that's you know that's part of the experience of doing it you know and i like that tactile connection to whatever it is if it it be music or comedy, you feel like you own something, you know? But like I said, 80% of my sales will be of air. Right. You know, no one will be able to hold it in their hands. <laughs> so, you know, if people want a physical copy, come out to one of my gigs. I'll be selling them there. And, um, you know, it's, um, it was funny. Somebody said to me the other day, I was doing an interview, and he goes, he goes, you know, I'm not even a big rock guy, but when you started doing some of the rock jokes, it's like you you, you explain them, you, like you set it up so that even if the person doesn't really doesn't know about the band, like I do a whole bit about the band Guar. Now you and I know Guar, right? But I, the way I set it up, people kind of go, oh okay, they wear monster costumes on stage and there's blood and all this stuff, and then and then it's just a regular bit after that. So, I you know I try not to exclude anybody, but again, you know I love that I love the connection with rock and comedy. To me, they go hand in hand like Courtney Love and Crazy. <laughs>
0: Excellent reference. It's kind of interesting because when you think about comedy not supposed to be safe. Um, granted, that's been harder and harder to achieve over the recent times because everybody is PC, everybody is hashtag movement, everybody is knee jerk and fake rage and so on and so forth. And you know, comedy has maybe reeled back a little bit because they don't want to be on the downward slope of that negative publicity, just like rock has. But both comedy and rock, hard rock, metal, uh, whatever genre name you want to attach to it, both of those are supposed to be rogue rebels they're supposed to be people that are taking chances pushing the envelope uh trying to buck the system you know the fact that you've bridged the two worlds together maybe that might be why it's worked so well not only because of your personal interest and your personal passion about both both subjects of comedy and the rock and metal it does go well together it makes sense when people hear it even if they aren't like you said a rock and metal fan
1: well, you know, George Carlin said it the best. He said, "As comedians, it's it's our duty on stage to find the line, right, and then cross over it, and then make a new line, and can continue to push that line." And I, you know, I stick by that. I know we're in a, you know, in a situation now where everybody pretends to be outraged and everyone's triggered by this, that, or the other thing. But you know what, man, I I stick to my guns with what I do. Um, you know, I, I definitely deliver in a different way than I used to you know it, it's actually it 's actually better now in a lot of ways because I could still make the same points and get the same laughs, but I can also get that extra laugh because i 'm also giving the middle finger <laughs> to this bizarre world that we live in, so the jokes actually have more layers to them, and um, you know it, it makes a, you know it makes it a little more clever and that really is the theme of this album is political correctness and and the jokes that I do really put it through the lens of Not just rock and rollers, but just everyday people. And, you know, the people that come to the comedy club and they just want to laugh. You know what I mean? They don't want somebody up there preaching to them who they should vote for, who they shouldn't. It's like, no, you know what? I just hung sheetrock for 40 hours. (laughs) Make me laugh, boy.
0: Right. I mean, we have perfect fodder for comics to make a joke about something that's going on in society right now. And the fact that people have to be more. PC about it. It's I guess the way it sounds to me and and how you were describing it, it's like to make it so it's a little more easy to get your point across without having that big knee-jerk, that big fake rage come off of it and have it turn negative, you have to explain things a little bit more, which kind of allows you to practice your skills as a storyteller. And you're definitely kind of leading people down a path. I can say that because I've seen you perform a bunch of times and you and I have sat around in a bar in, you know, Bradley, Illinois, at the Looney Bin, and and yeah. shared shared beers and and watched this stuff kind of unfold in front of us. When you start practicing that that talent, that longstanding tradition of storytelling, the jokes do come out better that way.
1: Dude, you hit, a, you hit the nail on the head, and you know as well as anybody, is comedy and rock and roll, they have to be dangerous, right? You don't, Correct. you know, like my parents came to see me perform the other night, and I don't know how they sit through some of this stuff because, you know, <laughs> they're part of the act, you know. Um, but, you know, you really don't want your parents liking the same bands as you do. You right. know, that's why Kiss Destroyer was my first rock record because my mom didn't want to buy it for me. The minute I saw her reaction when I found it at the, the drugstore, she was, uh, which is you know we used to buy vinyl back in right. the day. Um, she was like, "No, I'm not buying." That's so what is this? Uh, what, are you worshipping Satan now? That <laughs> she had you know had no clue. And I was like, "Okay, if that's the reaction to this band, you know I've got to hear them." You know, and it was the same when I was like 11 or 12 years old listening to George Carlin. Right. You know, my he was doing the seven dirty words you can't say on TV, and my parents are like, "You're not allowed to listen to this." So, you know, I had to like used to listen like late at night after my parents went to sleep with my little cassette player with the one the one input ear, <laughs> earbud thing, you know, <laughs> and hope I didn't get caught. You got,
0: like, the cover, of the like, the, your comforter <laughs> over your head so you're hiding in case they come in, they don't see you sitting there with it, you know?
1: Yeah, so, you know, if, if it's not dangerous, you know, it, to me, it, it's not as much fun. Even the place that I recorded the CD, I did in a a speakeasy in Los Angeles, which was amazing because at any moment we could have been raided by the police. It was awesome. You know, like, this, you know, commie's dangerous enough, but now let's add in, you know, a raid, a potential for a raid in there. And, uh, you know, it kept the whole night on edge, which is really a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I love the, you know, you mentioned the loony bin. We, we love that place. Um, you know, when we're there, it's aptly named.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like uh, things can kind of slip through your fingers real quick in that venue too. <laughs> the night that you and I were there, or a couple of nights that you and I were there, um, was you know two nights of music, a bunch of awesome bands, and it was promote the venue and, and so on and so forth. Endorsement for both this podcast, Liquid Conversations, and for you. Uh, dirt bag. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that that's the type of place that you would expect to see that type of music and that type of comedy. Doesn't have to be prim and proper, like it's a GQ cover, but it also doesn't have to be something that's haphazard. This is kind of like a fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. And you know that you're going to come out of there either scratching your head going, What the hell did I just witness? or um, Why do I have a divot in the back of my head?
1: It's a good place when you walk in and the doorman has a, a podium and spray painted on the front of the podium, it says, do not steal podium.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> why did you have to say that? You know, what, right. has this been a problem in the past?
1: Whenever yeah. there's a sign for something, something no. happened previous to that. Right. So- <laughs> Right. Okay, so obviously this podium uh, has tried to make its uh, way out the door. It's, it's grown legs apparently <laughs> at some point, and they needed to. And, and then was there a smaller sign at first? Was it just like a little piece of paper taped on it? And yeah. then they still tried to steal it. And then like you know, finally they are just like just spray paint the whole thing. Giant, <laughs> do not steal podium.
0: If you want to compare something like say that particular type of venue or that particular type of locale where stuff like that happens. Where you have to spray paint on the podium to check IDs and take money, don't steal podium because apparently some guy has paid his bar tab and said, well, I am i don't feel like a good enough service, so I'm taking this with me. Uh, for musicians, even though all musicians eventually want to play to a massive stadium, like a sold out Madison Square Garden kind of thing, a lot of musicians too uh, especially in, in rock world and the metal world, like playing in those uh, aggressive types of venues. Is it like that for comedy as well? Does there a special feeling uh, is there something that gets creative juices get kicked up inside of you because you're in that environment compared to say some place that's a little more prim and proper and velvet curtains and you know uh, booths with you know little you know lights on them and stuff like that.
1: A table service yeah a bottle service or yeah. whatever yeah it, it, oh definitely man you know it's like you know you're, you're playing in a place called the Looney bin you know i'm pretty sure they're gonna let me kind of say whatever the hell i want to say in there um right. you know and and i love characters you know and that place is full of them so yep. um you know it's like a place that even if you don't drink you could sit in there for hours and hours and just people watch, which is cool. Right. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, man, I perform in Madison Square Garden every night I'm on stage right. in my mind. Right. You know, because, it, you know, who cares what the size of the crowd is? You know, like when we were there the last time, they've maybe had 75 people in there, right. maybe 100 tops. Right. It doesn't matter. It's the same show every time, you know, because probably I'll never play Madison Square Garden, but I could play there every night in my mind, and that's what I do, you know. And um, that's why I've also done a lot of these uh, gone out and opened for bands, gone out right. on these rock tours, man. Those, You know, those crowds are definitely way less PC than... You know, the West Village of New York City on a Friday night when it's all NYU students. It's a totally different animal.
0: Right. Have you ever got on stage? I mean, and you've toured with a bunch of different bands before, and you've opened up for these bands and been out on the road and, you know, experienced that life just as much as if you were a full band yourself. Has there ever been a time when you've stepped up on stage and have the fans go, who the hell is this guy, and when's the band going to get on (laughs)
1: I think you know that's with any opening act though you know what i mean like uh, you know the, the, everybody wants the headliner um, but you know people will come in but then you know maybe they're a little harder to please but yeah my job's just like an opening band except it's just me right. um, I definitely have you know some recognition factor from doing that metal show right. that certainly helps that people are maybe curious they go okay let's see what he's going to do yeah we, we used to watch that show so people will come in some people completely you know miss the memo <laughs> and you know um, and so it's just my job to get out there, get people smiling, get them laughing, and set them up, you know, and try to bring as much like the same energy as if I was a band, and especially on some of the tours, man, where there's like four or five bands that people are actually happy that there's something a little different right before the headline. They're like, yeah, all right, we need a break. You know, we don't need like a, now another band going right. on right here. So uh, you know, with all those things and then again, again with, my, with the material that I do on those tours, that's what I call the sex, drugs, and rock and roll set. Right. You know, that's all you're getting. You're not going to get any Trump jokes. You're not going to get any relationship jokes. You're not going to get any of that hilarious dad humor right you know you you're getting you know it's just- jokes about Ozzy and Alice Cooper and Metallica and Kiss and Motorhead and all that stuff. And so it's. It, I try to make it as close to, you know, I try to keep it in the same realm as as what every, the experience that everybody's there for.
0: You're basically aiming towards your particular audience at the moment.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I went a little outside my comfort zone last year right around this time. I went out with the band Pop Evil. Who was, right. Definitely has a much younger audience, although there is some crossover, but so those crowds were very challenging and um you know i was friends with the, with everybody in the band and they were really into the idea they loved you know trying something different right and their fans really responded man i gotta say it was cool that's one of those tours where i feel like i definitely made a lot of new fans because people would come up after and goes, oh, honestly i never even heard of you before um but yeah i really enjoyed it man that was that was a lot of fun so you know so it's always obviously good to you know bring in some of the the younger folks into the fold, and um, and you know sort of. Get them into like, like you said, you know, make them, you know, show them the artwork and show them the the packaging and and all that stuff and explain where it comes from and like, oh yeah, that's cool. All right, yeah, oh yeah, my dad used to listen to that album or whatever. And you know, then you make a new connection with people.
0: Well, I mean, as they say, everything old is new. So even if they aren't, and I have this conversation with quite a few people about millennials and and Generation Z, and I hate turning into my father. (laughs) I, I hate turning into an Archie Bunker sitting in the chair, you know, screaming at Meathead and stuff like that. But And I probably just lost about half our listeners right there, too, just by referencing, you know, Archie Bunker. But, <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting because, yeah, when you play with a band like Pop Evil and the crowd isn't of the same age range as what you maybe have been used to in the past, you have to work harder. You really do. You You have to win them over. And I mean, it's not like you're in a you know, a punk club like, uh, you know, the Double Down in Vegas, where you might get a PAPS can zinging past your head, but, you know, you're still going to have to win these people over and say, hey, look, this is something that you're all going to get. Don't worry about it. You know, even if I mention a band that you might not be familiar with, I'm going to still put a life reference in there that you should get.
1: And, yeah, and I agree, man. The, the thing I'm most proud of, of on this album is that I, because I, I knew the material, it was going to be, the material is going to walk that line between, uh, you know, me wagging my finger at people. (laughs) and then just being the full-blown, you know, Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn guy. And I didn't want to be that guy, and I didn't want to be the guy, you know, shaking his finger at the audience. I wanted to make my point... And make it with humor, but also, you know, like I said, you know, give a little dig at sort of you know the oversensitive climate that we're in these days. So, um, so I think I achieved that. You know, again, I don't. If I'm in a comedy audience, I don't want the comedian preaching to me. I just, right. I just want to laugh. That's it. Right.
0: I mean, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, and they all stink. So, I mean, it, you know, <laughs> if if you want to, you know, throw your opinion at somebody like that in a comedy set, it, it can. Obviously, work a couple of different ways. It can go over like gangbusters, or it can just literally turn into you know you're on the the bad side of a hashtag movement or something
1: along those lines. You know? <laughs> right? Why would you want to, any comic want to divide their audience? Why would I? Why would I want to divide the ten people that come to see me? That doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. make sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean you know don't scare them away from buying merch on the way out the door when they're fake <laughs> raging it towards you know their their Prius in the parking lot. I mean you know. <laughs>
1: Right. I'm sorry they don't have blue moon on tap here. I apologize.
0: (laughs) We ran out of orange slices. We didn't know what to do with it. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, you kind of get in that spot where. You know, And it's the same thing for music, too. Music is such a full bag right now. Everything's been done. It's hard to be original. It's hard to get anybody's attention anymore. Bands are playing it safe because they're scared of the world around them almost to a certain point. And if they do act like they're a rock band, like a real rock band would act like what you and I think a rock band is, that sex, drugs, and rock and roll, then... You know, somebody suing you because, you know, they feel like you've traumatized them. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to skate those lines and, and kind of say, okay, how, like you said with Carlin, uh, you know, find the line, step over it, create a new line. Um, but you also don't want to take it so far where it's going to turn out too bad and, and then, you know, the 10 people might turn into one person. You know, right yeah.
1: yeah and and that's the thing man you, you you know you you don't want to alienate people but you also don't want to, the audience can't dictate to you what you're go- what you're gonna say on stage because if, if i took a poll of every single person uh, uh, on any given night in a comedy club or in a rock club wherever i'm playing and told them to write down what you know is offensive to them I, i'd have no act left nobody R- would right right you know because somebody guy would have you know I, i'd write a, a 15-minute bit about how cute cats are and there'd be somebody in the audience you you know whose cat murdered their whole family somehow And I go, how, how was i supposed to know that
0: or they're allergic and they didn't bring Claritin in with them and they're all pissed yeah, off yeah, so
1: so it's it's you, you just kind of um you know you just kind of feel it as you go luckily you know i kind of have my crowd, um, and I've, you know, pretty much two audiences, which is good, and, and there is crossover there, but it's some the people who kind of, the people who know me from being a nightclub comedian, where, you know, yes, I'm gonna talk about, you know, everything from Tea Tree Shampoo to Adam Levine's Nipples, right. and then you have the rock crowd who knows me from opening for bands, and and again, they're gonna know me from talking about, uh, you know, Guar and uh, Molly Crew and Kiss and all that, and I think this album, and the laughter is kind of the, the perfect storm of, of both those worlds.
0: Now, it kind of brings me into another thing that I want to say, you you have a lot of stuff going on. Even when I first met you, I could tell. I'm like, this guy has literally got so many projects going on, it's insane. I don't know how he keeps it all straight. And not only are you still you know doing these comedy, rock and roll inspired uh, comedy albums, actual album, but you're also having your own show now you have that jameson show and obviously with the success that that metal show was what is that like for you being up there it's just you it's you know you have a guest you have other people that come on the show um but you're dictating how things go and you're doing that how is that for you as far as is it still similar is it or is it a completely different direction for you where you're the one that's in charge now
1: Well, no, and thank you, because, you know, I I do feel like, you know, I put a lot of work into my career, and, um, you know, the truth is, if you don't have 27 things going on at all times, you know, (laughs) nothing's going to happen, because 26 of those things are going to go nowhere, you know, and so, you know, out of the ashes of that metal show, I wanted to continue on and kind of carry the torch for the people who like that show, and kind of like, you know, when Tony Iommi was doing Black Sabbath with, like, those 19 different singers, like, in the middle. <laughs> there, after Ozzy and Ronnie Deal were gone, and they are kind of like, Why is he still doing? Why is he still calling his Black Sabbath? But then, you know, Ronnie came back, and then Ozzy came back again. So, right. um, yeah, that Jameson show uh, is me solo. I'm, I really am sort of learning to interview uh, people on my own for the first time. Most of my interviewing career has been on TV with two other guys, Eddie Trunk and Jim Florentine. So, right. I always had that safety net. So, that's been a, a really fun challenge for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's on uh, compoundmedia.com. Right. And um, they've been great to me over there. It's um, I always try to find the right fit for, for the creative stuff I do. Because, you know, creative and business, ne- it never mixes. 100%. Because creative people just want to be creative and business people just want to be business people. Um, you know, that's why Metal Blade was such an important connection for my comedy albums. It's like, yes, I want that stamp on there. Right. That's the connection I want with my comedy, with this heavy metal. Label that made sense to me. People always said, "Why aren't you going to do a podcast or a video cast?" Because sure, I could just turn my iPhone on and put something out there to the world. But I wanted to put. I wanted to have again that connection with something. And this is, you know, Compound Media is a place where. you know, the guy who owns the network was a uh, disc jockey that I'm sure you... Actually, you would definitely know very well, because they were on AAF. But um, right. Opie and Anthony, and right. it's Anthony Cumia's network, and it's labeled the Free Speech Network. So there's no... You know, they're never going to tell you what to do. They're never going to tell you what to say. They're not going to tell you what guests to have on the network. Um, they don't have another rock-slash-comedy show on there. And it's the same with Metal Blade. Like, right. You know, they got cannibal corpse on there, six feet under. You know, do you think they're not going to censor my material? I feel pretty good about that.
0: And I love the reference about the creative people and the business people. When you put the two of those groups in a room together, it's like literally trying to mix oil and water. It really kind of gets weird for a second. And if you want to be a successful person in this Industry, you have to kind of have that mindset a little bit. You have to think about your future and have to think about those right associations, like you going with Compound Media for the show. You know, it might not work well with another outlet. So having it there, you know, is the right fit for you as well. So you're thinking somewhat like the, you know, the business person because you, you know have some self-preservation. You want to keep going. You want to keep hustling. You want to keep, you know, moving, pushing it.
1: Yeah, and you know you've worked for you've worked for corporate before and yeah. you know, uh, I would never ever say anything uh, bad about the time, you know, we did that metal show for 14 seasons and we were we're very grateful to VH1 uh, Classic for, you know, continuing and believing uh, in us and stuff. But you know, it sometimes working for a network is can be a nightmare and right. You know that's where you, you butt heads and uh you know while i make less money now i definitely have way less stress and uh look 2020 is the year of the rock reunion so um you know I, I would love if you know that metal show could uh jump into that mix with uh motley and rage and my chemical romance and and black crows and uh you know find a find a new home that's again that we all feel comfortable in that's going to support us and let us uh, do what we want so otherwise you know do you you're doing what you want to do. You know, I got this thing with Compound Media and I'm enjoying that. So, you know, it's, a, it's about longevity too. You know, I don't want to That's get burnt out in this business and, you know, just could fall the face down in flames and just, <laughs> I can't do this anymore.
0: <laughs> it made me think of something when you talk about, you know, 2020 is the year of the rock reunion. For some reason, the idea of these rock reunions happening it almost kind of makes me think of the retirees selling their home and taking all the money and buying a luxury RV and just driving around the country. (laughs) That's what it seems like to me. It's like, you know, they're sort of kind of living the glory days that they did when they were younger and they had the house and the family and the kids were still home and all that stuff. And they still had the career. Now that they're retired, money's a little tight. So they're going to sell the house off to kind of profit a little bit off that, but they still want to have a good time. So they still drive around the country in this, you know, house on wheels. They just plug it in wherever they need to stop, you know, just like stopping at a tour date in Wichita, Kansas or something like that. Just enough to say that they've kind of put their roots down a little bit. But when things get a little hairy, they get to take off again.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't understand this whole these whole farewell tours and all of this. It's like, you know, you never have to retire. If you could still play, if you could still sing, if you could still do what you do, why would you ever say that's it? I mean, you might slow down over the years, whatever, but, you know, nobody ever... The farewell tours are never farewell tours. You know, the Who retired in 1982. There's tickets on <laughs> sale for them in 2020. I mean, give me a break. They have a new album out. Back, and even when they die... They just make a hologram of you anyway. So what's the difference?
0: I mean, well, I mean, look, here in the Boston area, Aerosmith performs recently during a, we'll say, unnamed award show, and everybody's like, they sounded terrible. But Steven Tyler's still up there. I mean, he's not propped up with a broomstick yet, as far as we could tell. Mm
1: -hmm. But,
0: you know, it's like, do you think it's that people just don't want to see our idols, our rock and roll metal idols, Look bad.
1: Well, first of all, you know Tyler was propped up by cocaine for <laughs> several decades. <so. laughs> uh, but apparently, he doesn't do that anymore. So, which is a good thing because he can still go out and deliver. No, the reason they didn't sound good on that unnamed award show is because they got a crowbar in. You know, some kind of pop artist or right. hip hop artist or somebody young and current. You can't just let the guys go out and play Dream on and Train kept a rolling or whatever. God right. forbid a you know, rock band could you know. Like when Metallica played the unnamed <laughs> award show and they had the crowbar, Lady Gaga. And now I understand right. she likes hard rock and metal music. But uh, can we have three and a half minutes just by ourselves? You think Metallica sells out stadiums all over the world? I think they can handle playing two songs by themselves on, uh, on, on an award show. But right. uh, yeah, I guess look, if you get to that point where you can't do it anymore, yes, it's time go out to pasture. Um, you certainly don't have to stop being creative. Um, and you don't even have to stop doing shows. You just have to slow down a little bit. You know, it's, it's a wonder what they can do with, with, uh, singers in a recording studio. I mean, you pretty much never have to stop singing, even if you lose your voice, but if right. you can't deliver it live then you know, uh, and that goes for anybody on stage and that goes for comics too. You know, I see comics who are really good, but they lose, it's not even age, they just lose the joy of doing it and, right. and it's audience can sense that stuff so fast man it's like even the dumbest audience can sense fear insecurity, um, if you're just BSing your way through it, if you're sleepwalking through it, man, crowds can pick that stuff out right away. Trust yeah. me.
0: Yeah, I mean, traveling as a touring stand-up comic, you know, that's just as tough as being on the road in a, in a touring band. You know, you're eating probably not your best choice of food because you're taking what you can get at the time and trying not to spend all the money that you're making on the road. Uh, you're staying in hotels that aren't home. They're not maybe ideal, um, but you also don't want to be the prima donna and say I need this you know and all that stuff because then no one's going to want to work with you but yeah it's you know that stuff wears a person down so yeah if you started to get to that point where you're just phoning it in people they can sniff that out real quick and in the rock community in the metal community they even seem to be more attuned to sniffing that sort of thing out
1: yeah well and, and now's a good time for the young bands too because say what you want about Greta Van Fleet you know they're a real lightning rod for controversy because you know you and I had our Led Zeppelin, right. they were called Led Zeppelin, right. you know. But this is Led Zeppelin for you know twenty-year-olds. So um, whether you like them or not, they've opened this lane, and all these young bands are spilling in, and not just young retro kind of sounding rock bands like them. Because you know, there's band, you know, the band Crowbot is very seventies sounding young guys who are killing it. Them Evils, who I toured with with Pop Evil, those guys are killing it. Young guys with a retro sound, but you got you know you, young guys in Death. Metal like Gate Creeper filling into the lane. You got young alternative bands like Fever Three 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 who are the new rage against the machine. Exactly you know, for lack of a better comparison. And they're filling into the lane. So, you know, and even Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm is making it cool for young women to pick up the guitar and play rock music. So, you know, that's a good thing. And you know what, I'm seeing some of the some of the kids who you know, used to come to my shows when they were, you know, 18 or whatever. And now they're headlining com- their own comedy shows. Right. Like, uh, they, they ask me, hey, can I come open you, open for you for this show? I go, you're too good now. I don't I don't <laughs> want to follow you. You know, <laughs> I was like, I taught you well. It's time for you to go out and do your thing. So um, music's definitely, a, or a rock in particular, is is, is in that mode right now. Certainly not on the level of, you know, what's going on with these the post-Malones and all this crazy right. stuff out there. Uh, but but it is a good time. So um, yeah, if, uh, if, you, if you wanted to take guitar lessons, now's the time to pick it up and, and uh, go get some lessons, because uh, rock is cool again, for sure.
0: Like I said earlier, you have a lot of projects going on, and, and you always seem to. You've done a lot of stuff, too. You've been a comedy writer, or still do it. Uh, mm-hmm. You've done stuff with the NFL uh, as far as doing sports. I think a lot of people kind of forget that you have that background as well. Uh, you've obviously been out on the road with bands, uh, your own comedy albums, uh, stand-up for a long time, uh, you know, plugging it away at every dark nightclub in the world. What's still left on Don Jameson's bucket list to do? Is there to tour with a particular band, uh, be on a, a comedy bill with a particular comic, have somebody on you know that Jameson show as a guest? Who? What's left for the bucket list?
1: Ah oh, man, you know what's left of the bucket list is what I don't know yet. That's that's the beauty of 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 being in a creative field, right? I mean, right. you know, you you work in a creative field. It's 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 what's still to come, which is why I said you don't. The, the best thing about this business, if you can, if you can make your way in this, God for. Sake in business if you could not you know let yourself get you know just get you know that's why motorhead don't let the don't let the bastards grind you down right. that was always my anthem right because yeah. you know i'm not going to let anybody tell me i can't do this and so you want the longevity you know it's uh you know it's that sheer dogged pig-nosed persistence and refusal to listen to the evidence, you know, that, you know, (laughs) that, that keeps me going and keeps me evolving and, and going, I don't know what's next, but there's gonna be something next so um but just as i mean just off the top of my head honestly the the bucket list stuff is like i you know i opened for andrew dice clay for 10 years he's my comedy idol and always will be so you know that's something that's been crossed off um you know i played metallica's orion fest so you know there's a bucket list thing opening for metallica right um so you know been on the howard stern show you know howard's my radio idol so i've done a lot of things i've wanted to do so i Think it's more it's more the excitement of like what what will be the next thing
0: it's uh yeah the excitement of looking for it,
1: maybe it's porn I don't know <laughs> I, it could be anything. <laughs> comedy porn. It's a thing now. I just made it a thing.
0: It, it is a thing. I, I would say, obviously, probably some porn would be considered comedy, but yeah, I mean, it, you know. <laughs> I
1: think I might specialize in it without knowing it. <laughs> I, don't,
0: I don't know. We've both stayed in a hotel room that had a hot tub in it, so that could have been a porn movie setting. We don't know. We have no idea what could have happened in those rooms, right?
1: Well, my I, sadly, mine was bone dry when I left, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how yours was, but...
0: I, I, I didn't dare I didn't dare use the hot tub. I was scared, man. I was like I figured if I turn off all the lights and put on a black light, it would look like you know a Jackson Pollock painting. It would just be splatters yeah, yeah, everywhere. You're, you know? like,
1: now you're in a scene from Forensic Files. All of a sudden, <laughs> I, you know, I was more worried that that somebody way more successful than me was in the room before I was <laughs> and used the hot tub for what it's you know meant for you know in a hotel.
0: I just think it's great we talked the bartender into serving us like uh, a little too late. Than probably what was legally acceptable at that particular township. It was. It was, and then of course I think there was fruit flies flying around our our glasses too, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah.
1: well, look, you know, we we work different hours than people, you know. So, <laughs> at, you know, at three a.m., it's like, all right, this is like the after dinner drink, right? Exactly. You know? Yeah, and we need somebody to serve it, and uh, uh, you know. A $20 bill still goes a long way in this country.
0: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Don, you have a lot of stuff going on, like I've said,
1: but you have- Most of them are failures, but thank you, yes.
0: Okay, so some of them are failures. Big deal. (laughs) You you can't make an omelet unless you break a few eggs, right? There you go. If we can kind of give people a, a heads up what's taken place, you're going to the U.K., uh, you're going to be out with Biff from Saxon. You're going to be doing some stuff over there. And then how long is that going to last? How, how much time are you going to have over there? A
1: month. That'll be, you know, all of England. We're going to be Scotland, France, Spain. Uh sweden switzerland germany so i gotta i gotta learn my my jokes in like 18 different languages to go through this. i'm not sure i'm going to pull it off but
0: some of those cultures might not be quite like the americans and how they take jokes you might need to take a crash helmet or something you never know
1: <laughs> I, I think if i just say the word mother effer a lot I'll be safe.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll probably get off on the curse. Everyone so, knows the yeah.
1: everyone knows the curse words. Uh, they always work. But yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to do that for a month. And of course, it's a great tie-in uh, with denim and laughter. In fact, I, the great thing is, you know, after the shows, that I'm selling my CDs because I used all the Saxon artwork. Right. I'm hoping people think I'm selling de- <laughs> denim and leather, you know, and I get a bunch of accidental sales from it.
0: Some like twenty-year-old comes up and goes, "My
1: dad has this album. My dad has." <laughs> This out. <laughs> you're yeah, like, well, no, you're like, 30, 30, yeah, you should, you get him another copy of yeah, There yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah. Just, Come know, on, like, 10 euros. Let's go, kid.
0: <laughs> Are you going to be doing more stuff in the States after that?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we'll have to reconnect. I've got uh, two tour offers um, to go out with some bands. And then, you know, will obviously always be playing the comedy clubs. And then, of course, you and I will have to make our triumphant return to the Looney Bin in Bradley, Illinois, together.
0: <laughs> of course. Like I was telling you earlier before we started recording, I'm going to be there uh, this weekend. Apparently, uh, Nick put up on the uh, the marquee out front. says, uh, welcome back Sean Six. I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing. Uh, I thought I was just going to be able to sneak in just in case I left a bad taste in anybody's mouth the last time I was there. So, you know, who well, knows? Well,
1: that, that can, we could take that, that a lot of different ways. But, <laughs> I, was, um, I was waiting for
0: you to pick it up, dude. I was like I couldn't have dropped that one any harder. <laughs>
1: well, I, I forget when I'm, you know, when I'm doing this, if I'm on a podcast or if I'm on Sirius or if I'm on regular radio so I don't want to just start yelling, Demon, come! <laughs> Giz, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I see. I think it's a good thing that they put you put your name up because some some people might drive by and then the you know guys coming home from work and he gets home and his girlfriend girlfriend's like, what are we doing this weekend? He goes, You're not going to believe this. We're going. We got to go to Looney Bin. Nikki's right there.
0: <laughs> of course, man. I'll sign some autographs. I don't care. Whatever. And Just then like you saw and in the, the album. As soon
1: as they get in and then they pay the cover charge and they realize Nikki's not there, what's the worst that they can Happen?
0: are gonna steal the podium, <laughs> right? Right? Exactly. Yeah, because there's a clearly there's a disclaimer on it. It says, "Please do not steal this." <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, we we definitely have to do something like that again. That was funny because uh, you and I started off when we when we first met. We did something like this in Philly, a place that was your old stomping grounds and um, down in Philly and Dobbs uh, on South Street, which is you know, God rest its soul, is no longer in existence. But uh, you and I were helping uh, with a battle of the bands. And uh, we spent a nice uh, morning, Sunday morning, if I'm not mistaken, drinking coffee and going to Vinyl Altar to shop for vinyl. Yes,
1: we did. Maybe you can... And Vinyl Altar's still there. It uh, is still there. Unfortunately, like you said, not there, but they've not... Um... It's not a pink berry yet. The building's still there, and it's still, you know, the same design and everything. So, hopefully, somebody with a few bucks who loves rock music will uh, uh, resurrect that place. Because, uh, you know, I watched all the rock clubs in New York City close when I lived there. I watched right. CBG's close, and Don Hills, and the Continental, and uh, Roseland Ballroom, and all that closed down. And so then you see it start happening in Philadelphia and Los Angeles, and you're like, no, 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 no. We, we should see them opening up. And, right. you know, I live in new jersey now and um the rock scene here is really great you know so people are actually coming out of the city to come see local bands play here in jersey so yeah. um you know if, uh, if i ever one of these 27 things uh, that's uh, that's always on my plate works out i'd love to go down there and bring mama Dobbs back and put her back in business uh, down there be,
0: it would be phenomenal and you know it's kind of an interesting point you said you know people are coming to jersey out of the city jersey's like yeah come on over yeah we we all know that you've been worried about having a good reason to come here and can come here for the rock scene, you know? Jersey gets a bad rap, 100%. percent hmm But, yeah, Jersey gets a bad rap for a lot of things, but Roxanne, definitely not. Yeah, we should bring some more of these places back and uh, kind of reinvigorate the glory days not in a uh, okay boomer kind of reliving my high school dream, you know, where I peaked uh, memory, but actually bring back the excitement of what uh, rock and metal was 30 and 40 years ago.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm telling you, next time we're in Bradley, we're going to be in those hot tubs. (laughs) I can tell. I can feel it. Oh,
0: yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get the waterproof uh, gopro and, and wait till the hashtag movement starts on either one of us
1: uh, yeah yeah well i could use a little publicity
0: <laughs> don thank you very much it's always a pleasure getting to chit chat with you and talk shit
1: yeah thank you so much dude and you're always generous with your uh, time and uh, always enjoy the liquidity of your conversation
0: <laughs> awesome man the liquid conversations podcast is brought to you by
1: dirtbag clothing wear it till it stinks